Welcome to the Masters of Data podcast, the podcast that brings a human to data. And I'm your host, Ben Newton. You'll enjoy our guest this episode. We're going to talk to someone who has been recognized nationwide for innovative approaches and transformative policies, all while being in state government. Suman Alapati was appointed Secretary for Technology and Chief Information Officer for Colorado, a state cabinet-level position by Governor Hickenlooper in 2014. Under her leadership, her team has won both statewide and national awards, while also revolutionizing digital services for the citizens of the state of Colorado. I caught Suma in her last week as state CIO before she transitions her responsibilities to the new incoming administration and takes a new leadership position at DISH. So without any further ado, let's dig in. Welcome, everybody, to the Masters of Data podcast, and I am really excited to have with me today a very special guest, Suma Nalapati. She is the Secretary of Technology and Chief Information Officer of the state of Colorado. We're really excited to have you on the show, Suma. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Ben. I'm very excited, and Happy New Year to everyone. And you know, like we do on every show, we just love to humanize the people that we're talking to to learn more about you. So like with everybody else, I like to start off with, you know, how'd you end up where you are? How'd you end up in the CIO's office in Colorado? What led you that direction? Great question. Thank you, Ben. I moved to Colorado in 1996 and made Colorado my home for all this time and uh, very committed to the state of Colorado. And the Secretary of Technology and Chief Information Officer position became open in 2014. And I was then the Chief Technology Officer for the state of Colorado just for about four or five months. And then when the position became open, the governor's office reached out to me and I applied. And it was a very extensive process, very new to the public sector at that time. You know, wanted to have an opportunity to serve the beautiful citizens of Colorado in a way that I know the best, which is technology. So very, very fortunate and privileged to be in that role from that time. And uh, we were able to accomplish quite a bit during those five years. Yeah, absolutely. And I I definitely want to come back to that because uh, I think what you guys have been able to do in a short period of time is pretty amazing, really. But uh, I want to talk a little bit more about your background. So if if I saw right, you, you actually started out in nuclear physics. Is that right? Yeah, that's true, Ben. Yeah, I'm very proud of that degree. I worked very hard for it. Yeah, I have a master's degree in nuclear physics with a specialization in radiation physics and isotope technology. Nice. I studied uh, physics in college and in grad school, so I've I've always had an appreciation for it. You, you know, the funny thing is that I, I think I've interviewed now four or five people on this podcast to come from a physics background. So it must be a really good background for me. Yeah, very smart people, I'm sure. <laughs> So you actually started as a programmer, right? You switched uh, from that into computer science at DISH. Was that right? Yeah. So when I moved to Colorado, there was not many uh, physics, nuclear physics jobs, but my bachelor's was in computer science and electronics. So I was like, I need to find a job. So I switched immediately to programming. I've taken a lot of programming classes in India. So I was like, let me pursue a career in technology because um, it it would be hard to find physics jobs right away. So I'm glad I did that because it gave me a very fulfilling career. I started at Dish Network. I was a consultant before then for other companies, but at Dish was my real programming experience and uh, very glad for that too. And then had a very typical career, if you will, in technology. So I started as a programmer, then uh, moved up to be a technical lead, then a manager, then a director, then a vice president, and now the CIO. So just went through the whole gamut of technology leadership career. 
and along the way founded a company of my own along with my husband in the world of technology consulting so that was very fulfilling as well and it taught me a lot about being your own boss and you know being responsible for all aspects of a business so that was extremely valuable for me in my career as a technology leader and what led you down the leadership track i mean of, of all the research i did i couldn't find anything to specifically talk to that so what, I mean, what led you from having your hands on the keyboard to, you know, basically leading people and, and looking at it like that? Yeah, p- people excite me. Uh, there's a lot that the human capital, if you will, that's extremely exciting, right? It's not the computers. It's not just the technology. It's all about how we can mobilize and motivate people to give their very best in solving challenges. So that was very exciting for me. So in my role as technical lead, I was able to get a lot done with my team as opposed to just my own uh, individual skills. And I found that I love and get energized by people and all the challenges surrounding that. So that's how I stepped into leadership. And for me, the te- it's all about the team. That's cool. So, uh, I mean, you as a CIO, tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, uh, I think everybody has some idea of what a chief information officer does. But what does that actually look like when you've been doing that for the state of Colorado? What were your responsibilities? It's pretty vast. And uh, so, as I mentioned, I was appointed in 2014 as the Secretary of Technology and State Chief Information Officer. My office oversees nearly a thousand employees spread across 70 locations at the state of Colorado. And we support all 17 executive branch agencies. So if you think about natural resources to transportation, to ag, to revenue, everything. And we have around 1,200 innovation projects that my office is responsible for. We have deployed Google G Suite products for more than 30,000 state employees. And as the Secretary of Technology, I work in close partnership with the Office of Economic Development and International Trade and Colorado Technology Association to attract businesses and technology jobs to Colorado. That's great. And and, uh, I mean, what was it like uh, walking into that, you know, from the private sector? You know, the technology uh, stack, again, was very comfortable for me. You know, it's the same, whether it's private or public. But for me, uh, the biggest difference was, you know, going in front of the General Assembly and asking for budget requests or testifying in front of all of them on projects that we have been supporting or projects that didn't go as well and we have to get their approval. So that was very, very unique, going in front of a General Assembly setting and talking technology to people who may not be technical enough, right? So that was the most interesting. And then Having to deal with legislators, senators, and all of that was truly, it taught me a lot about interacting with public officials and elected officials. So very unique from that perspective. And I hope, you know, with the uh, the current climate in Washington, that your legislators got more done. It sounds like they probably did. Yep. And, and that's what uh, is so beautiful about Colorado, in my mind, is it's all about collaboration. Uh, my boss, Governor Hickenlooper, he's all about, you know, reaching across the aisle. You know, it's uh, we, we get more accomplished by talking to each other and listening to each other rather than just, you know, staying along party lines. So for me, it was a very unique experience working in such an environment where people want to make a difference. People want to solve challenges rather than stick to hard line. You know, this is my stance versus yours. And technology was an enabler, but all the uh, leadership was and the support came from Governor Hickenlooper and my leadership team. And so that's been now uh, four four years now, right? Almost five in February, yeah. So okay, wow, wow. I mean, uh, and it, what were the things? We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this later. But I mean, you're you're wrapping up your tenure. 
the CIO. And I mean, as you look over that, uh, as, as I said before, I did a bunch of research about this and where, where you focus your time and some of the amazing things you and your team have been able to do. But w- when you look back on that, w- what are a few things that really stand out uh, that uh, stand out to you as your proudest accomplishments? Yeah, so there are just so many amazing things that the team at the Office of Information Technology was able to achieve. And then the numerous awards, not just at the state level, but at the national level that we've received. So there's a a forum called National Association of State Chief Information Officers. And uh, we have received so many awards for Secure Colorado, which is our statewide cybersecurity strategy. And we've won, you know, there is this application that we've developed called Universal Application that serves the most vulnerable populations in Colorado. We were able to reduce processing times from 45 days to minutes, right? So that has received various rewards and recognition. You know, we have made a lot of progress on our discipline with how we want to execute IT strategy. And so our uh, strategy and success playbook and five-year roadmaps won numerous awards as well. And personally for me, uh, receiving the CIO of the Year Award this year, November 2018 by Colorado Technology Association was a true cherry on the top. And also receiving the 2017 Top 25 Most Powerful Women Award has helped get that validation from the industry, uh, if you will. And then for me, uh, we were able to create the first d- digital transformation office in the nation. And that was because, you know, I truly feel that we have to create that Amazon.com type experience for our citizens. And uh, we recently moved our health department's integrated eligibility and enrollment systems to the cloud, to Amazon Web Services backend, Salesforce front end, first in the nation. And we are just going to, this is just off the part of the press, but we will be launching what's called My Colorado. It's a mobile app for Coloradans, businesses, and visitors to access government services, resources, and information all in a single interface that's accessible anytime, anywhere in a mobile platform. So that to me is, you know, Apple was very excited. They approved it. Uh, Again, you know, the press release will be coming out soon. But initial release enables users to renew their driver's licenses and store a digital copy of their vehicle insurance. That's the first feature. But future releases will include more and more services that we provide from the uh, state agencies. Yeah, I was looking at that uh, as I was doing some of the research and looking at this digital driver's license. That that's that's pretty cool. It's making me wonder if I need to uh, consider moving to Colorado. <laughs> and I, we were talking to another state recently, and they said that it takes about an hour to two hours just waiting at the DMV. So <laughs> I'm like, that's just you know, if you look at you know the next generation of uh, residents and people, they don't do anything physical, right? It's everything's online. So we have to be able to cater to all kinds of segments. And we truly hope uh, My Colorado will be a very successful implementation for the citizens of Colorado. It's pretty amazing. And you know, you know what, one question I have about that, I mean, you, you went through a lot there. I mean, it's pretty amazing to be able to, you know, uh, even in the private sector, to be able to pull off that much in just under five years. So, so how do you push that kind of innovation in the public sector? I mean, particularly coming into that, not having the, the that background, what enabled you to get those kind of things going, that kind of innovation going? Yep. And I think, Ben, the most important thing for us was to create and establish trust very, very uh, upfront when I first took the role. We had some gaps in our service delivery as an organization. So we focused on what's called back to basics, right? Nothing glamorous, nothing sexy about it, but we focused on that and improved upon our basic service level agreements as a lace with our agency partners. 
when we were able to do that, it helped us create a partnership where they felt that we were good partners and we can they can collaborate with us on these huge modernization initiatives and that we would be successful in that, right? We couldn't have done that without having that basics delivered. So once they saw that the agency partners came to us with more and more innovation projects, one example is Colorado Drives, a 93 plus million dollar project in which we replaced two outdated legacy systems with an integrated modern solution that's helping drivers skip the visit and reduce wait times, right? So Decorum, a multi-year project that's modernizing the management of the Department of Corrections, inmate services and processes. IPOS, which is a project that will help digitally transform how we look at licensing and park pass functions and services into one system for all recreation within Colorado. So all these huge modernization efforts were made possible because we had those trusted relationships with our agency partners. So that's really interesting when you say that. I mean, you um, so you establish a baseline of performance, showing that you guys can deliver and that people can trust you with these um, these innovation projects. And you you mentioned the digital transformation office. I remember reading that. If I remember correctly, that was one of the uh, one of the first in the U.S. Is is that right? Yeah, that's that's right. And I'm very proud of that. Again, the reason why we called it out is because our citizens and residents are demanding that that digital experience, that user experience, that customer experience when they're interacting with government. You know, when when I shop on Amazon.com, um, I you know, it, it prompts me saying, you know, users who bought this also bought that, right? It's a very proactive, personalized, hyper-personalized experience. And that's the same experience that they want from government as well. So that's why we created the and established the office of digital transformation is when, whenever we are interacting and creating a technology solution, we have to keep that user experience in mind and exceed their expectations. Yes, yeah, so that's that's pretty amazing. You know, one thing that comes to mind is is I spent years and years, um, uh, about about a decade in DC, did my own stint with some of the uh, you know the IT consulting environment there, and you know I remember pe- people saying that ten years ago that oh we need to deliver a better experience, and and a lot of times it didn't come through because they didn't really seem to be able to get the right talent to the table to be able to retain that talent, and a lot of the talent didn't even work for the government. You know, they were just coming in as part time contractors. So uh, how did you manage to to get get to how, because I'm assuming you um you had to have some uh, really good talent on board or no available for you. So um how did you how did you do that? Yeah, and that's a challenge that even the private sector is facing and grappling with, especially in IT. If you look at cybersecurity jobs, it's negative unemployment rate right now. So, and we cannot afford to give the uh, you know private sector perks and bonuses and things like that. So, we got creative, right? Again, we have at the state extremely valuable workforce, but they are in the process of retiring or you know have plans about retirement. So we need to make sure that we take care of that factor, as well as, you know, attract new talent to the state. For example, when we created our Secure Colorado, which is our holistic cybersecurity plan, what we've implemented is come up with some creative solutions. We implemented this plan called the Veterans Transition Program in December 2017. It's a paid internship in which veterans get real-life experience using cybersecurity tools and the state gets much needed help from the veterans who've worked in cybersecurity while in the military, right? So it's a win-win. We are able to create a talent workforce within that very valuable stream, and we are able to take advantage of their training. But all they're lacking is sometimes that tools and technologies that we use at the state or in the private sector. So we just train them 
So that's been a very valuable partnership for us, working with the veterans. And then the other thing that we worked very closely with is the Blind Institute of Technology, right? Our technology solutions should be accessible to everyone. So a partnership with uh, Blind Institute of Technology, where we hired their architects that are going to ensure that all the applications we build is visually accessible. So all these kinds of partnerships and outside the box thinking, and I'm very passionate about STEM and women in uh, technology. So I, um, I'm a personal champion for, uh, for women in technology. So I go speak at various conferences, including at Dreamforce, and how to attract women and make them feel comfortable within this very male-dominated industry. So we were able to create all these partnerships that helped us get the best talent possible. And it's meaningful work, Ben, if you think about it, right? You can get you know, money goes only so far in terms of that intrinsic motivation for people. It's about creating that meaningful work and attracting the right talent that wants to make an impact. And this is the best kind of work for them. So, so you bring that up about women in technology. So let's, let's delve into that a little while, because I, I did definitely see that that's a passion of yours and you can definitely hear that. So, I mean, partly from your background, what, what was it like for you coming up and being a leader yourself? Yep, thank you. Um, and again, I'm very passionate about it because I had extremely good mentors and role models along the way throughout my journey. And I want to be able to create that same kind of experience for other women that may be not sure on you know, what technology careers to take or how to navigate this very complex world of technology. So I work with all the companies here in Colorado and across the nation and, and talk about that it's okay to take chances, to tell, it's okay to take risks. You know, if you don't get invited to the table, bring your own folding chair, right? Don't wait for opportunities. Uh, don't wait for someone to like create this opportunity for you. Be bold, uh, uh, again, in a very humble way, but create opportunities for yourselves and others and be a role, be a role model for others because that will help empower you to be the best that you can be. So I'm extremely passionate about that and we were able to achieve results and I, I have a lot of women come up to me and say, Suma, thank you for your leadership, right? So I'm very proud of that and if there's women that want to have that first step into technology, I'm always, always available. That's great. You know, what are the, some of the things that you say to young women when you're mentoring them? You know, uh, one thing that you said sounded like basically making your own opportunities. Are there any other, you know, recurring themes that you, you know that you pass on? Yep. And I, I tell them, you know, break the stereotypes, right? Break the mold and, and just create your own career paths, if you will. One of the things is like, you know, my daughter, she is 17. She's, she turned 18 uh, this year. She sees me, right? And she uh, she gets inspired by what I do. And so she's not afraid to take those chances. And, and, you know, not just because you're in technology doesn't mean that you can't be in the creative field. Technology is an enabler for all of that. So she is able to create, um, I mean, she has a very good cybersecurity plan. She's founded two companies. So, you know, she goes and talks about it to her friends. She was featured on Forbes magazine once, and she was nominated for Forbes 30 under 30, right? So all these accomplishments are not a right of bragging, but it's just to to tell other girls and other women that it's okay and you can be very successful by looking at people that have achieved something. So it's been quite intense, you know, just seeing my own daughter grow. And I hope that we can inspire other girls and women by being good role models ourselves and working harder than the hardest in, in the room. That's, that, that always goes a long way. <laughs> no, that's great. And, and I have a seven-year-old daughter, so I can really appreciate that. You know, one thing, uh, I mean, do you feel like it's a different environment that your daughter is now launching herself into than what you saw? 
It's definitely changing, Ben, right? It was very tough when I first started because, you know, the lines at the women's bathrooms were like two people and then the men's bathrooms would be so long at conferences, right? I'm like, ah, <laughs> that's the only place I think. <laughs> but now I think it's changing. I see more women at the CEO level and the technology conference landscape is changing immensely. So I think, again, it's, it's opening up, but not in a pace that I'm happy with, but I think it's definitely getting there. And again, you know, there's very good organizations, both in Colorado, as well as at the national level. So it's very encouraging to see uh, that kind of momentum. So let's let's take a step back and talk uh, a little bit more about the things you did as a CIO in the government. And, you know, one thing you did talk about was the cybersecurity office. And particularly one thing I'm interested in is something that you guys got awards for and that you got a lot of recognition for is building that uh, holistic cybersecurity plan. And one thing that I think we're seeing right now is that there's a lot of discussion around privacy. And when you're talking about the Amazon.com experience, the flip side of that is what you do with customer data, you know, with your citizens' data. And when you think about that from your position as you're building this out, because in, in a real sense, the technology that you're using is going to introduce a lot of these issues. You know, you're digitizing their personal information. Uh, so how do you think through that and work through that? So we take privacy extremely seriously. We have established an office called the Office of uh, Chief Data Officer, right? So it's very important to citizens are entrusting their very sacred information to us, and we need to uh, treat it as such. And, and if you look at like what's going on with Facebook and you know all these privacy concerns, it's really scary because you know your data is out there, and for the longest time, you know people didn't want regulation. Right? It's all about free data and all of that. But I think just with what happened with uh, Facebook and the elections and all of that, it's people are recognizing that government does need to step in, again, in a very deliberate, thoughtful way. So our office, our chief data officer, he, he recognizes the importance of privacy. We have extensive converse, conversations, both from the chief data office as well as the chief information security office. They're very closely aligned and I'm very uh, happy with that because that's important, right? They both go hand in hand. I've recently read a book then called World Without Mind by an author called Franklin Foyer. And I heard him speak at Stanford at one of the uh, conferences. And he talks about, you know, that we as citizens, we as individual users of data and individual contributors of data, we need to think about the private contemplation, the autonomous thought, and not and the solitary introspection of data, and not just you know let these big companies run amok with uh, how we think about ourselves, right? Everything is about you know I'm glad that we have that hyper personalized stuff, but at the same time, it comes with a price, and we need to be aware of that. So I truly feel that we as government. And as individual users, we need to be very, very cognizant of what we put out on the internet. Again, Facebook is a free app for the most part, right? So you need to think about that. That doesn't mean that they have the right to sell it or uh, use it in ways that we haven't been informed of, right? So all those are informed choices and decisions that we need to make. And it's, it's not just government's role. It's all of us coming together and making sure that we are thoughtful in the way we put our data across. No, no, that's, that's interesting. And you, know, you bring that up because a lot of the conversations I've had around this, yes, yeah, it's, it's just, 
It's not like it's everybody else's problem. It's it's your problem. And from your position, uh, because in a lot of a lot of ways, uh, the awareness of data privacy seems to have changed pretty significantly under your tenure. So, do you see a difference in the way that people are working with you? Do you see a sense out there that people are taking this seriously, or is it still, you know, pretty much people just don't think about it? Yeah, I think the awareness has definitely increased, and you know we get a we collaborate a lot, right? At uh, Chief Data Officer, we collaborate with universities, we collaborate with private institutions, just to have that conversation, right? How are people looking at privacy? How are people looking at from an academic perspective, from an agency data sharing perspective? It's it's very multi pronged in my mind. It's not singular, right? So the transparency is important, but at the same time, individual private data has to be treated as such. So though all those conversations, I'm very happy and uh, to see where it's going. Again, it's not there yet in terms of that balance, but I think it's getting there. Assuming uh, so, mean, it's it's good to hear that. So so maybe putting in kind of a bow on this on your in your time as CIO, as you're stepping away from this, what do you feel like you've learned from the experience? What are things that kind of stand out in your mind? Again, I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to be in this role and it'll come to an end literally this week, right? I'm going to transition to the next administration uh, right at the time of inauguration. One thing, Ben, is again, Colorado embraced me. I didn't have many friends, like any friends actually, when I first took this role. Um, and for the state of Colorado to embrace me as their chief inv- uh, chief information officer, that to me is a sacred thing, and I'm so honored and humbled by the opportunity that I, without any contacts, without any network, without any of, uh, without me knowing anybody at, in, in government, they trusted me with this role, and we were able to accomplish so much based on my talent, my hard work, my blood and sweat. So for that, I'm truly grateful for. So that's really great. And so we've been kind of alluding to this, but I mean, well, what uh, what's next? What are you transitioning to? So as I mentioned, I was I started as a programmer at DISH, but now I'll be going back to my home, I think, at DISH as the chief digital officer, looking at how DISH can get the maximum leverage out of digital transformation of their application service delivery and how they serve their customers. It's a very innovative company. It's a company that I've respected 20 years ago when I moved here, and I still have that same respect. It's it's a very fast-moving, innovative company Charlie Ergen and Candy Ergen have built, and very proud of being associated with that company. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do in terms of that digital experience for uh, the customers of DISH. So it sounds like there's going to be another big transition. Uh, so do you think the transition out of government is going to be harder than the transition into government? I mean, uh, how are you? How do you think that's going to go? Yeah, because I, I come from an extensive private sector background. I think it'll be just a little bit of learning curve going back to not having that much of a regulation in terms of, you know, General Assembly and others. But it's for me, technology is technology. So I think I have a lot of support at DISH. So I'm hoping that they would uh, support me in, in, in the transition. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. For me, uh, change is exciting. So I'm looking forward to going back. So I'm sure a lot of what's on your mind right now is a transition, I mean, that you're going to be doing to the next administration. But when you think forward to your new position, what are some of the trends or, you know, big challenges that you're excited about? Uh, What is it uh, you're thinking about? I mean, just at the top of your mind as you make that transition. Yeah. So uh, again, DISH is uh, changing constantly. There's a lot of innovation happening. So I just need to see the roadmap of the baseline that we have at DISH right now versus what 
they want to achieve in the next five years. And, and it's an industry that's constantly challenging itself and constantly changing. So I'm just excited about the opportunity to be in the middle of so much innovation. For me, again, change is something that's very exciting and I'm looking forward to it. And I, I like fast-paced anything, so I think I'll fit right in. And I mean, based on what you've done the last few years, I'm sure you're going to do amazing things. And, uh, and maybe we can bring you back in a little while to see how things are going over at DISH. I would love to hear it. Thank you, Ben. I'm, I'm looking forward to it and, and uh, hope to have immediate results there as well. So we'll see how it goes. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Suma. I think this has been really great. It's really great to hear all the amazing things that you and your team were able to do for the state of Colorado. And I was really excited to have you on. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Ben. And I hope you have a great New Year's and we need a lot of great thought leaders. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, check us out in your favorite podcast app. Rate us so that other people can find us and find the great content. And thank you for listening. And as Suma said, have a great 2019. Masters of Data is brought to you by Suma Logic. SumaLogic is a cloud-native machine data analytics platform delivering real-time continuous intelligence as a service to build, run, and secure modern applications. SumaLogic empowers the people who power modern business. For more information, go to sumalogic.com. For more on Masters of Data, go to mastersofdata.com and subscribe. And spread the word by rating us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.